It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to the Plus Six Podcast. My name is Pete, and I go by the name for AFR Ratings Pete on Twitter. Welcome to the show, Mitch Cleary. Welcome. Thanks, Pete. Thanks for having me on board. Exciting. The 2023 AFL season is just around the corner, but you also have a, another exciting project upcoming. Yeah, it's a new podcast focusing on trade, presidency, and, and list management. Uh, it's going to be called The Tradies. So Sam McClure and I going on a little uh, podcast venture together. Should be interesting. Haven't really uh, done much work together. We've worked and competed uh, for rival networks over the years, but it should be a bit of fun uh, coming up. Starting in the next few weeks, we haven't got an exact start time just yet, but uh, keep your eyes peeled for wherever you're listening to this great podcast. You'll also be able to find a new footy podcast focused on trades and uh, player movement, which I find is getting more and more in-depth and, and earlier uh, as each year goes on. Just the content, the consumption by obviously a lot of AFL supporters that you know consume a lot of trade content, so it's, it's another one and it should be quality. Hopefully, uh, that's the that's the plan. And the thing people will say, well, why are you talking about this so early? It's still six, seven months away from trade period. Well, well my argument is clubs are talking about this 18 months in advance. The, the one that rings home to me was the Tom Lynch-Richmond move, and, and we all sort of saw that on the cards for a while. But Richmond admitted that they'd been talking to Tom Lynch for 18 months to get him out of that footy club, so... I think six or seven months is pretty small leading when you compare to what clubs are actually doing at the moment. And um, yeah, with the, the salary cap still to be fleshed out exactly by the AFL, and um, you know, off the back of COVID, I think player movements ripe at the moment, and uh, should see um, plenty of action in the next uh, few months. Yeah, and just to follow that up, I mean, if we go over a decade ago, we had Lance Franklin, and like it, it come out well beyond his move to Sydney, is that they were talking 12 months in advance. And if we just go back to last yep. year, Luke Jackson was like well in conversation with Fremantle as well. Exactly. And the Luke Jackson one last year, we all were thinking he was heading towards the Dockers and he admitted at the end of the season that he actually made the call pretty much at the mid-season point of the season, at that mid-season buy, and, and sat down with the Dockers and, and Eagles at that time. So, no, I think uh, there's going to be plenty of players. We all know where they're heading, like, well, sorry, not where they're heading, but where the, the names are coming, like Tom DeConing is going to be a big one this year, Cosie Pickett, Tom Duday, uh, Ben Mackay, North Melbourne. Uh, there's plenty of big names up for grabs, and I think clubs are being active and, and more um, showing more initiative than ever before. Yeah, it just destroys the theory that, you know, most people who don't consume as much content, that they may be of the belief that all the neg- negotiations are done at the trade period within that two-week period, and that's not the answer. That's just the final uh, dot to the sentence because most of the work is done mid-season. Absolutely. Uh, the mid-season point is huge, and even the odd barley trip, you know, the 12 months out, uh, I think are pretty important. So, no, I'm looking forward to it, and thanks for uh, giving it a shout-out on your platform. Hopefully there's a bit of crossover. Plenty of fantasy fans hopefully enjoy the trade period Pete, and uh, yeah, as you mentioned, it uh, does get earlier and earlier, so keen to see uh, a few fresh names emerge. There's always one, there's always a name that we haven't heard of at this time of the year, and uh, that'll be our job to try and find who they are. 
I'll be absolutely consuming it. So looking forward to it. All right, we have Mitch on the podcast today to discuss Carlton, Essendon and Collingwood. So we are talking AFL fantasy season long classic mode. This discussion is a pre-season research from Carlton, Essendon and Collingwood. This podcast has been recorded on Monday morning, March the 6th. And of course, the news has been crushed out for you on the AFL Ratings Network. The content is free, likes and retweets are always appreciated. Again, make necessary adjustments as news comes to hand. And just to lead in before the season, we're going to see a lot of news is going to impact fantasy teams. All right, Mitch, let's get into it. So we're going to do three questions per club. So firstly, Carlton, how is Sam Walsh tracking? They're saying he's going to miss the first month, Pete, but I still wouldn't be surprised if we see a round or two in that they say that he's a little bit ahead of schedule. He definitely is running. Um, he's just starting to work into match practice now. I think round five or six is the conservative model from Carlton. But I know you're big on trends and, and looking at what clubs do in, in previous years. There's actually quite a few examples last year where Carlton were trying to put the low ball on the uh, injuries and, and trying to say that this player will return in you know a little bit longer than what maybe they thought and the player comes back earlier than expected. So I still wouldn't be shocked if we see Sam Walsh in round three or four. But the official word from the Blues at the moment is at least round five or six. Yeah, there's nothing better than a positive outcome all the time when you're talking about injuries. Is that correct? <laughs> exactly. And uh, the Blues showed it a few times last year. They put the, the long-term look on a few players, and the player miraculously came back a little bit earlier. So I'm um, keen to see where this one falls. But the fact that Sam Walsh was running probably 15, 20 days after his pretty serious surgery shows to me how good of a healer he is. He did that last year with his ankle. Yeah. Um, I think, yeah, there's a chance we see him in the first month, but we've got to wait to see exactly where that falls. Alrighty, next one here. Carlton are likely to switch up the Sam Doherty role throughout the season. Yeah, the Zach Williams injury has probably thrown a bit of a curveball here. And then you throw the Walsh conversation into the mix as well. So I think we'll see Doherty play as a midfielder at times. He did it, I think, in that last game last year. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if we see him a bit more in the midfield before Walsh returns and then returning maybe to half-back once Walsh is back in the side. Um, they like his ball use. They like him sort of as on that outside type, given they've got Cripps, Hewitt, um, Kennedy at the cold face. So maybe Doherty's that receiver on the outside before Walsh comes in, and then Walsh comes in and replaces that role when he's back. So, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't think they're wedded to the Doherty role, and, and spoke, I spoke to Sam... Um, three or four weeks ago, and he admitted the same. I think um, had Williams been playing, we might have seen him a bit more midfield, but I think they'll use him a bit more half-back now as a result of that uh, that Zach Williams season-ending injury. Yeah, for me, so from a fantasy perspective, Mitch, either role for me is a a pretty strong scoring role. All right, we'll get on to the next one here. So Alex Chincotta, Lockie Cowan and Oliver Hollands are all on the radar for an early debut. Yeah, I thought Ollie Holland's second practice match against Sydney was pretty strong. He, yeah. he looked good and shows he's up to the level. I think that injury to Matt Cottrell, um, Lockie O'Brien, sort of there and thereabouts, I think I would think Ollie Hollands is probably ahead of that pecking order to partner up um, on the other side of that wing. So keep an eye on him. I think he's uh, well and truly in the mix. And then those other two, I think they're probably fighting for one spot, really, Alex yeah. Sid Cotter and um, and, and Lockie Cowan. Um, I'd probably be, from what I've seen this preseason, going with Cowan. But, uh, I, yeah, I think one spot, Marchbank didn't play either of the preseason games. He's probably not going to be there, even though 
the Blues are always confident on his body. Um, Mitch McGovern's a watch as well. So, yeah, I think probably fighting for one spot and not have Cowan ahead at this stage. Okay, we'll be right back. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, Mitch, we'll get on to Collingwood now. So the health of Darcy Cameron after an injury-interrupted preseason is very much on the radar for fantasy coaches. Yeah, I think he showed enough in that Hawthorne game to show that he's he's going to be the number one ruckman well and truly over Mason Cox. The interesting part of this for me is do they go with Cox or McStay as their backup ruckman? So if Cox plays, they're going to try and find minutes for him, right? So I think... Looking at last year, Cox was more of a forward that pinched in, in the ruck. Yep. If they go with McStay, Cox, and Cameron, they've got to find minutes for Cox because he's not going to be as relied upon in the forward line. So if you've got Mycheck and McStay in attack, that means it lessens the reliance on Cox. So does he eat into Darcy Cameron's minutes in the ruck? That's going to be the watch for me. I think if I'm a fantasy fan, fantasy coach and I see in round one that Cameron, Cox, and McStay are all in the same team, I'm probably steering away from Darcy Cameron because it means that the centre bounces are going to have to be chewed up by Mason Cox this year. Yeah, that's, I've been at the uh, Darcy Cameron and Mason Cox combo pretty much all pre-season. For me, that Mason Cox just presents a different dynamic to that forward line for Collingwood. And he, it's, it's not just marking the ball, that his height can bring the, the ball ground. And that small forward crew for Collingwood is quite dangerous. So the ball hitting the ground is pretty much... Uh, Pretty much a, a concern for opposition defences uh, for the small forward crew. Yeah, I think we saw what Bobby Hill's been able to do. Bo McCreary, they absolutely love. Um, and Ginevan will come back in at, at some stage. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm really fascinated by what Collingwood do with their forward mix. We were all saying it last year when they went after McStay. But I think McStay showed in that final last year that if they don't feel comfortable and confident with Cox, he's always sort of in and out of favour. Um and had some really good games last year, Mason Cox. But if they think the McStay is the one that can be the pinch hit backup ruckman, he showed last year in that final against Richmond that he can do it playing for Brisbane. Alrighty, next one here. Can you believe in a practice match, Sam Mitchell rolled out a tag on Nick Dacos? <laughs> like, I was thinking of it. Like, I, I saw like, it. Yeah, I just couldn't yeah. believe it. Obviously, you were down there as well. Yeah, Finn McGuinness went straight to Nick Dacos at half-back at the start of the... Uh, the match, so Finn McGuinness playing the half forward in that forward tag. Uh, I thought, yep, Sam Mitchell's well and truly on here. He doesn't want this to be any sort of uh, Mickey Mouse pre-season match. He was well and truly on. And I was surprised, to be honest. I don't know what you thought, but um, that Dick Dacos wasn't moved into the midfield. He only had two centre bounces. They persisted with him at half-back. They moved him onto a wing at, at one stage, as I saw. Um, but they seen what they tried to persist with it, and he didn't really get going. They obviously won the game, and you know they got enough supply out of the back half. But um, yeah, I was a little bit surprised that Craig McRae didn't throw him around a little bit more because that tag is going to be obvious, and, and clubs are going to do it at times this year, given how strong his first 12 months was. Yeah, so you were down in Tassie, Mitch, at the same time the broadcast uh, back here into Melbourne and across the country. Uh, Brendan Bolton was interviewed, and he pretty much said that we didn't really want to show 
opposition teams what we're going to do to free up that tag. So that's just one thing that really caught no. my ear to say, you know, that, that Collingwood aren't really showing their cards of how to deal with that tag. That's interesting. Actually, this is really putting enough errors for me, but I was thinking um, whether there's a whether there's a possibility that in future that forward tag, because of the uh, the new rules of the 666, whether that player could actually start in the goal square, even on a bigger opponent. But, so Nick Dacos could start in the goal square and they could sort of ease the matchup up that way. That was just a, a weird thinking of mine sitting there watching a game. Um, but no, I'm looking forward to seeing how the Pies do it because he's going to be a target of many forward tags this year, Nick Dacos. You would assume so. Alrighty, next one here for Collingwood. So... Tom Mitchell was brought in for a specific reason. Yeah, and that was they were second worst team in the competition last year. Percent of bounces and Craig McRae was really strong on that. Um, it's easy to forget. I think we spoke about it a little earlier in the preseason, Pete, that Scott Pendlebury was used pretty much as a midfielder for the last ten weeks of the season. So I think what we'll find is that Mitchell move will allow Pendlebury to be a bit more flexible at a half back. Um, I'll still have Dugowie, Chris and, and Taylor Adams rolling through there, but I just think the Mitchell one is lock and load centre bounce. But with their game style, I don't know how he's going to sit for fantasy coaches because it's not that chip-chip pick up 40, 45 disposals. It's Correct. more the uh, rush forward, first handball out to Dugowie and Chris, Nick Dacos running by. So I'd be a little bit wary in terms of the coaching, uh, fantasy coaching, but uh, I think purely as a, as a match-win perspective, I think Tom Mitchell... It's going to be a great asset for Craig McRae this year. Yeah, just looking, obviously, at that game player for Collingwood is that, you know, he's an extractor and he's a contested ball and stoppage type player. So he's going to get the ball and just handball straight out and then the ball will be out of, of his area, which is obviously, for fantasy coaches, you don't get the repeat numbers. Exactly. And those, you know, that Hawthorne slow play at times under Alistair Clarkson was chip it around between the arcs for, you know, minutes on, on end. So he's not going to get those chains of, possessions that we saw him collecting 40, 45 disposals. So I'd be a little bit wary. I think he's going to be great for them to try and win the flag, but maybe not in terms of what fantasy coaches want him for. Okay, we'll be right back. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, on to Essendon here, Mitch. And looks like Will Setterfield will form part of that midfield rotation with his bigger body. I know you've been big on him from the start, Will Setterfield. It looks like he's uh, going to be getting an opportunity to start the season. And uh, Andy McGrath moving to half-back officially. Um, I think it's opened up that sort of extra midfield minutes for him. They're going to try and squeeze Archie Perkins in there. Then you've got Shield um, and Merritt um, as well as Parrish. So they've got a few options to squeeze through there. Uh, I know you've watched a bit of Essendon training over the pre-season. And rolling merit through a wing half-back at times will be used. But no, I think Will Setterfield has shown enough this preseason to suggest he's in Brad Scott's plans. And uh, finally, Essendon get a big-body midfielder that we've all been thinking they should have been going for for the last five, six, seven years. Absolutely. Already, next one I hear you mentioned him just now. Andrew McGrath looks set to own that sweeper ball distribution type role. Yeah, it's going to be interesting um, to see how they how they exit the day 50 at the Bombers because Jordan Ridley 
Is he going to be more locked down under Brad Scott? Is he going to be the one that's distributing? He was a great player uh, in getting the ball in his hands under Ben Rutten, but is he going to be that one that they want the ball in the hands of under Brad Scott? That's the watch. And Andy McGrath puts some good numbers up uh, against um, some children on the weekend. Um, so, yeah, I'm really keen to see how, how this goes, but I think Andy McGrath is a quality player, and more personally, I think he's suited at half-back as opposed to, to the centre-bounces. And the next one for you right here, and it sort of merges with the Tradies podcast with you and Sam McClure, is how motivated is Darcy Parrish in a contract year to perform? Yeah, it's a great point. It's going to be huge. Um, we know players do like to step up when they've uh, got a contract season under their under their belt. But, yeah, he had a little bit of an interrupted pre-season. I didn't realise this until uh, speaking to him that he had a bit of an Achilles uh, before Christmas. So mm. I think um, keep an eye on what he's up to, um, you know, early in this year, especially with the midfield rotations that they've got to work through. Um but yeah, like you said, the contract year is an important year, and uh, he'll be liking, he'll be hoping to put up some big numbers. So I wouldn't be shying away too much from that Achilles setback. Alrighty, Mitch, thanks for joining us on the podcast today. So can you just let the listeners know where to find you? You find me on Twitter, Cleary underscore Mitch. Always open to some free feedback. I know people like to have their say, and uh, each night on the Seven News at six forty-five, hopefully bringing some uh, some tra- some trade and fantasy nuggets for the fans out there. That's uh, and I'd like to uh, keep abreast of what's going on that helps their team on the weekend. All right, Mitch, thank you for joining us today. Thanks, Pete.